Welcome to Politicking with Jason Whitlock, hosted by Curtis Schoon. Good morning, Jason Whitlock. What's up, Schoon? Let's get to politicking. <laughs> oh, man. Where, where do we start? What kind of buffoonery have they been pushing on the public and using Black people as the vehicle to, to do just that? Let's start I, I, I with... Think Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. No, you, I think last night we saw the greatest example of just... I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday that the, I'm explaining to him, I said, everything that's going on is intentional. There are no accidents happening. There are major networks and major people doing everything in their power to stir racial animus. None of this is an accident. And I think if you look at The Bachelor, I think that that was The Bachelor, yeah, uh, and what they've done the last few weeks and turned this into a racial thing, greatest example yet. This is intentional. Everything the mainstream media, or as I call corporate authoritarian media, everything coming out of Hollywood is dedicated to stirring racial division. These people want chaos and a race war in America. When you say these people. The powers that be, the, 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 the left, the political left, the globalists, in, like, they want to, this country, whether we like it or not, and they're trying to convince people that this isn't the case, but this country was founded on religious principles, but it was a Christian, Judeo-Christian based society. And yes, there was slavery yet. And so all that means is yes, there was sin. That's all it, sin at the outset of this, but the country was based on Judeo-Christian values. They're doing everything they can. They wanna rewrite the constitution. They wanna rewrite the Declaration of Independence. Both of those documents founded in religious principles and beliefs and Christianity. And in order to rewrite everything, you need a race war. You need a civil war. You need civil unrest in order for people to say, you know what, we got to reconceive and reimagine everything. And so I, I, a friend of mine, he, he, he's, he's baffled by what's going on in America. He thinks like it's unintentional consequences. And I'm like, no, nah, man, these people know exactly what they're doing. When they take a TV show like The Bachelor and basically take some poor, unsuspecting, I don't know what the woman was, let's say 25-year-old white woman, and put her on trial for uh, going to a, a party where a bunch of white college girls dressed like they were in the old school South and put her on trial on a TV show and then make this black man, I think Matt, I think is his name or whatever, uh, Simp coming up. Yeah, Simp and abandon her on national TV and treat her like, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. And then they bring in this Negro, uh, Emmanuel Acho, who allegedly has uncomfortable conversations with white people. And what he really does is go make white people comfortable uh, for money. Uh, that shit that they stuck down America's mouth last night 
is intended to stir racial animus nationally and just just turn everything. Here's a can you imagine a white woman going on national TV in pursuit of marrying a black man and then being charged with racism because she was pictured at a party wearing a dress that looked like something from Gone with the Wind? Uh, I, I saw the clips you sent me, and I, I didn't, I didn't see anything crazy about it. Um, you know, I, I used to go to the Derby, right? And yeah. the Derby is Southern culture. Yes. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I wore my seersucker suit and my yeah. wing toe shoe, and all that is Southern tradition, man. And I didn't. I didn't promote anything like I wasn't celebrating the South. <laughs> I, was like, I was just, you know, it's the Derby. It's the event. I dressed accordingly because that was part of the tradition. Um, she's a young white woman. And I, a part of me just thinks this is all scripted. I think those were actors, man. I, mm. I can't believe that this is going on in the real world because if people are this sensitive and stupid, we're in trouble. We really are. I, I, I think a healthy, young-blooded, red-blooded man and a, and a, and a red-blooded woman, young woman, who were thinking about getting married, I think it would have been resolved maybe a different way, even if there was some uh, issues or questions. I wonder what would have happened if she had called him and said, listen, you know that dress you don't like? I got it on right now with no panties. You gonna come over here and handle your business or are you gonna keep whining like a little bitch? I, I wonder if he still would have had a problem. I, I don't, I, I see opportunity there where that dress could have been the source of some really good memories. You know what I mean? But I, I, look, look, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. These guys, these new guys, <laughs> Part of me agrees with you. I, I'm watching this and I'm like, this ha everybody has to be in on this joke. The Gotta white be. woman. Gotta uh, be. And I don't know. I, I need to look up her name just because I don't want to keep calling. That sounds disrespectful. Like I can't remember her name, but Matt, the black dude that with the beard trying to look like he's Kobe Bryant or whatever. I, when this dude said, and, and I wish. I had the clip right in front of me. But when this dude basically said the reason he was breaking up with her or he broke up with her was because he needed someone or he thought he thought he was getting someone who understood everything about him as a black man. Curtis, I nearly fell out of my chair. I was like, because Curtis, again, I have experienced dating white women. I've okay. never dated one. I've never dated one saying, you know what? She's going to get me totally as a black man. And I damn sure wouldn't say it on national TV when I just uh, told two really attractive black women, kiss my ass. I'm going after this little skinny white girl here. That's who I, <laughs> I want to marry. He done stepped over two fine ass black women to get to this white woman and then gets on TV and says, I wanted somebody to understand me as a black man. And seeing you picture three years ago in oh, this it's dress, scripted. it's, it's, <laughs> it's got to be scripted. 
It's got to be scripted. People are going for this shit. People are going for this shit. It's got to be scripted. Yeah, it did. Uh, when I when I looked at it, I felt like I was watching the woke ver- version of our uh, Flavor of Love. You know, I'm like, what wh- what is this like? Because I mean, they look. I mean, they're two uh, attractive young people. Do they need a TV show to, to meet nice people and meet a, a spouse? Nothing was wrong with either one of them. You know what I mean? Like, this is this it's, it's staged, Jason. Got to be. It got to be. I hope it is. I hope let, it is. I don't think... I, let me, while I say this, let me go make sure I got this woman's name so I can quit calling her this woman. Uh, but, but, but I don't think she was in on the state because I do, I do think, uh, I do think the producers knew exactly what they were doing. And, uh, Rachel, that's her name, Rachel Kirk Connell. Yeah. Uh, I do think the producers, yeah. yeah, I do think the producers, of the show and the network executive know exactly what they were doing. Oh, because again, this controversy has been going on for about a month. And so I, I think they, everybody's dirt and how you funnel a certain person to be the star of the show and how they leak all this information about this picture and oh my God, and she said this or that. And then this dude, this is who he happens to choose. A black dude with a, a, a buffet of women to choose from. I went and looked up all the contestants. I was like, man, there's some dime pieces in here. And there's some black dime pieces in here. This, and again, I think this woman, Rachel, is attractive. I don't think she was more attractive than a couple of these black women he stepped up. Across. And look, maybe they didn't connect. Maybe he didn't connect with them the way he connected with her. But but to get to the end of this and say, I thought you would understand everything about me as a black man. I'm like, bullshit. That ain't, that's like me uh, going to uh, Asia and saying, I thought you would understand everything about me as a fat man. Well, she ain't got no experience being overweight. How the, so why are you, why are you hooking up with this? White woman thinking she gonna understand everything about. It. She ain't from the hood. She's from the south. She's been going. To, she goes to parties like this. This and it's not her job to spend her whole life trying to be racially sensitive. She got other shit to worry about. If you think I spent my whole life or any part of my life running, oh, how can I be racially sensitive as a young person? I'm talking about as an adult going into the working world. But when this girl's young. How much did you spend a lot of time, Curtis, in your teenage and early twenties? Well, let me make sure I'm as racially sensitive as possible. And then, and and then they're crucifying this woman who's on national TV trying to marry a black man. And th- and 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 to me, when they put the picture up of these three women at this party, and 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 Ochoa, what were you? What do you think looking at that picture? And she's talking about ignorance, and I'm like. Man, I've seen white and black girls pictured like that a million times, and it never crossed my mind any racial implications. Nobody's looking at that damn picture thinking there's anything racial going on. It's all some bullshit that ABC used 
to turn the bachelor into a, a race crime and to continue to stir racial division in this country. I connected to the, the soul of a nation uh, show that they got going on on ABC and all of this. Oh, I, I, I'm going to go back to what I said last week. All of this is connected to the Derek Chauvin trial and, and the George Floyd trial in Minneapolis. They're trying to set off a nuclear bomb. They want that Chauvin trial to be the, the, the match that lights a fire all across this country and promotes racial chaos and violence all across this country. The television networks, this shit is irresponsible, what, what they're doing. Putting this woman on trial and acting Ooh. like she's some kind of race criminal. Yeah, I, I for one, some people rationalize it by saying they call it clickbait or they're doing it for ratings or, or money. I don't think it's that. I, I think it's deeper than that. Um, and I'm not even sure how lucrative any of this stuff is because there's so much of it. It's not even, it's not even like, you know, something that that's out of the norm now. I'm, I'm wondering in commercials, anytime I see black people on TV and let me just say full disclosure, I only watch these shows so we can discuss it <laughs> because I've stopped watching TV a long time ago because every time I saw someone who looked like me, they espoused things I wasn't concerned with or were definitely diametrically opposed to. And, and after a while, when you see this over and over, one or two things is going to happen. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable about yourself or you're going to start adopting those views yourself. And I think what's happening is a lot of people are adopting those views, those talking points, and, and, and they're being indoctrinated or brainwashed, if you will, programmed. And that, that's a real reason why I don't watch these shows. So anytime I see black people on television, especially, it wasn't always the case, man, but since 2012, since Trayvon Martin, they've been drumming this race thing over and over and over. And, and it's intensified. And 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 the lack of the lack of um substantive racial issues causes this this flood of frivolous nonsense that they make up. Oh, she wore a dress in 2018 at a party. And, and so she's she supported slavery. <laughs> I, 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 look. But in 2021, and, and you got these two men. Yeah. You but you got these two black men. I mean, they 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 might as well be. I, I don't know. I can't, I don't even want to call them men because that's a offense to all real men. That's out here. No real man is worrying about that bullshit, offended by it or anything, man. Like, what? Well, this is what's happening. We are being misrepresented. Last week you said something about uh, black men, and um, man, we're catching it from all sides, and we even got men like what's his name, o Ocho Emmanuel Ocho, Emmanuel Ocho. yeah, Ocho, Oprah's guy, yeah, Ocho. Oh, of course he's Oprah's guy, you know, and he comes here. He's of Nigerian descent, and man, did he assimilate into this bullshit real fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, 
that's not that's not what they do over there. And literally, I I totally get your point in terms of like, I don't know any man, any man that's like knee deep into a relationship with somebody and would go, oh, I discovered three years ago that you were at a party wearing a dress like this and I now have to walk away from you. Even though I'm, look, I'm, I'm going to speak bluntly. I don't mean to speak cruelly, but I'm just going to speak honestly. I'm knee deep in this nanny, but I'm going to walk away because three years ago you were pictured at a party wearing a dress with some other white girls, but I was in love with you. and Because he was saying, you're going to have to go through this on your own. And I'm like, who, 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 it, who, who, who does this to somebody they allegedly have love for that you can find a picture of them from three years ago before you knew them and, and you're just going to abandon them when they're on TV talking about they love you, they're into you. Again, if there's any kind of love, you're going to walk that person through it. But I have some sympathy for him, Matt, because he had no choice but to abandon her, but to break off the relationship, because if he didn't, social media would have destroyed him and the corporate authoritarian media would have destroyed him and painted him as the biggest sellout in the world. And he's like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> you know, so is, he he no- is he a celebrity? Because I don't know. I can't keep up. Is he? Why would he care about that? Yeah. Like, who is he, man? He looked like he just well, got a, I mean, a good job somewhere. You know, you know no, no, go no. back to work. The Bachelor and all his family. Launches, like- no, the, the Bachelor and all that, it launches you into a media career or some type of Hollywood career. Um, Again, it's like two a of the former contestants. You into one yeah. of those. Yes, two of the former contestants or the Bachelorette contestant are going to actually host the Bachelor next year. And so, but even if the guy was just going back off into the mainstream world, he didn't want to go back off into the mainstream world with a bunch of shit written about him that's very easy to find on the internet. That's calling him every Uncle Tom in the world, and I can't believe he took her back. <laughs> and blah blah blah. Again, his potential kids would have to read that at some point. Yeah, and so yeah. it's just like, let me just walk away from her and save myself, even though I know damn well she didn't do nothing wrong, or even what she did wrong is certainly survivable. And if she's on that, she's no racist. She's on national TV trying to marry. Uh, a black man, I, I think that disqualifies you from, from racism. I'm just sorry, or, or the, the stereotypical racism that people want to talk about. But, but you made another point about the lack of money in this, but, but they continue to do it. And there is no money in this race baiting that they're doing other than money I, that's I, given I to you. Other than, because go look at the ratings for the Grammys. They just came out with a story. The, ratings, the Grammys, they had Trevor Noah's uh, mixed race ass from South Africa hosting the show, the Grammys. And it was the whole Grammys show was just a race deal. Uh, they gave the song yeah, of the I year. I didn't watch that shit either. Yeah. They gave song of the year to some woman to sing, I can't breathe. And they had some kind oh, of little God. fake video. The, the whole thing was completely woke. Ratings down 50% from a year ago. All of these award shows that go over the top with the woke shit and with the racial stirring, all of their ratings are plummeting. It's across the board. NBA, NFL, 
everything across the board, all the they know that it doesn't work finance, it doesn't work ratings wise. It's not good clickbait. People are tired of it. What it is though is, I believe, and this is where where Whitlock's a conspiracy theory. Well, so what? I'll carry that title. This is what China and America's uh, foreign adversaries. This is what they're paying for. There is the, the CCP and uh, you know our enemies in the Mideast uh, are paying Hollywood to promote racial division inside of America to try to destabilize this country, to try to undermine this country, and the shit is working, and it pisses me off. I looked at it last night. With, I was like, they're going to turn the bachelor into a race war now. You, uh, you know, I got to, I got I to gotta deviate a little bit with what, from what you said. I think those things, those people, those, those uh, entities, the Middle East, China, they may very well have a hand in it, but none of it would be possible without elements within our own country in high places that are opening the back door, so to speak, for all of this to go on. Because there's a reason why open treason isn't being prosecuted. And that's what, that's what we really need as a country to look at. Who, who, who's behind this within America? Because no matter how you feel about China, the Chinese are doing what they're supposed to do. No matter how you feel about Iran, the Iranians are doing what they're supposed to do. They're not our friends. They're not our countrymen, nothing. The issue is the people within our country who are aiding and abetting this foolishness, they're the ones that need to be called to task. You know, yo man, there's, there, was a, there was a time 40, 50 years ago, Hollywood couldn't get away with this. They couldn't, they simply couldn't. Who made it okay for them to get away with it? You know, and, and, and like you said, um, I watched Soul of a Nation last night in preparation for today. And you watched man, last week's show? Tough. Yes, was, yeah, I watched okay, last yeah. week's show. Because the only reason I watched it was in preparation for today. Yeah. And I was like, man, you know, I saw a couple things. There's a consistent pattern here. There's the elevation and promotion of black women, which on the surface is not a bad thing. I support that. But when you dig deep, those black women are now positioned to promote a specific narrative. And the reason why they choose black women, because if you speak out against them because of their narrative, not because of their sex, their gender, you become a misogynist, you hate black women. It has nothing to do with their gender, but your disagreement with their views that they espouse. And those views seem to fall into alignment with the views of the people who pay them. So I, I, there's this, it was this entertainment thing. After watching that show, I felt like if this is supposed to be the black experience, I must not be black. Because the things they value were uh, celebrities, uh, materialism, superficial stuff. They promoted the Black Panther movie. 
and then the sneaker culture, and um, and, and, and of course black trauma, always black trauma, because that lets you know you're on the right side. Because apparently, if you don't experience or identify with black trauma, you ain't black like Joe Biden. I I, I don't know, but man, that show was so sickening to me. And there was a scene, there was some black people from, I think, Alabama. Um, they talked about their great, great, great grandfather, whose last name was Magruder. And it was this 95 year old black woman. And I gotta say, she looked good. And she, you know, she had her faculties. Oh man, she was sharp, at least in her communications. But she was talking about her great, great grandfather was a slave and he was a breeder and anybody with the last name Magruder's related to him. I'm sitting there thinking with my logical self, trying to make sense out of nonsense. I was like, okay, so this black man was a breeder and they sold his, his offspring and they allowed the offspring to keep his name. I, I don't know, I don't know what, what the hell was going on. I thought slaves had the last names of their masters. I, I don't know, but it, it was just, it's just wild to me, man. It was just why, oh, and the girl with the dance that did the little the TikTok she, dance, the yeah. dance. And how she was the TikTok. I, they stole that and she how was do you, I mean it was childish commentary. These little dances, yeah. These these little dances that pop up every year. I didn't even know people were inventing them. I, I thought <laughs> they were just, you know, <laughs> I guess you could like invent the hashtag and Man, she got all kinds of um, endorsement deals. I saw Prada gave her an endorsement deal. And I mean, like, who does she know is gonna wear Prada? I, there's a lot of people who are facilitating all of this foolishness. And, 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 and just as a concerned black man, you know, I wouldn't even care if they didn't make it seem like these are the top priorities for us as a people. If they made it like, soul of Hollywood, I wouldn't have any problem with any of that foolishness. When they start calling it soul of a nation and this is the black experience, well now you're speaking for people and you're misrepresenting them. If you just wanna talk about the entertainment business, that's y'all thing, man, whatever. I don't have anything to say. But what, what did you think though when you saw it? I, I, I like, I don't fully disagree with your word misrepresentation, but I think what they're actually doing is misleading black people primarily and then everybody else as well. But basically what, what I see with soul of a nation and just everything I see in the uh, corporate media space, Hollywood uh, is to, to try to subtly sell to black children, because they know who's really watching TV. You and I aren't really watching TV. Parents Correct. are using TVs and laptops as babysitters. That's been going on for years. Mm -hmm. So this is directed at young people. And so the messaging that they want to get out to black people, because at no point, because again, it's just like this show is about black trauma, and it's about black history, and it's about tennis shoes, sneaker cultures, it's about movies, it's about TikTok dancing. And so they're trying to, literally, they're, they're trying to tell, they're trying to establish 
for black young people. This is your culture. This is what you can aspire to. They have had no mathematicians or scientists, as far as I've seen, as of yet on this show. They haven't focused in on black doctors or black lawyers or, or it, it's like sneakers, rapping, TikTok dancing, become an influencer, or become a complainer about uh, shit that happened in the past. Slavery. Yeah. Shit that happened yeah. a long time ago. Or how can you, because again, I'll go back to, not to take us back there, but it's just like, your narrative on The Bachelor basically is, it's, it's a Hollywood version, a well-orchestrated version of Jussie Smollett. It's a hoax that The Bachelor has pulled mm. off and, and again, mm. scripted actors in your view. And so it's basically just a high-class version of Jussie Smollett. It's like, Jussie, we'll, we'll show you how to pull this off and fake a racial incident. This is how you do it. You base it in the smallest, tiniest kernel of truth so tiny that there's really no truth to it. And then you build it up and you bring Acho and other people in to discuss it and you get the whole media in on it and boom, now you got a rich. And so when I look at Soul of the Nation, and these are the jobs for us, complaining about white people, influencing people to buy tennis shoes and creating meaningless TikTok dances, or you can rap, you can denigrate black people in rap music. Or uh, or in movies or whatever, uh, it's, it's and so those are our lanes for achievement and success. That's the soul, because again they're calling it the soul of a nation. But what they they're saying it's the soul of black folks that they think that they're showing. And tonight and will that's be, my problem. Yeah, episode three of it, and I've yet to see any substance to any of it. The shit is a joke. It's intended. Again, just like we talked about last week, it's intended to make black people angry and it's intended to make white people say, this is what black people are about? Th their issue is it's somebody so stole a TikTok dance from them? It's, so make us angry and diminish us in the eye. Because just think if they did Soul of a Nation on Asian people. Do you think they would bring on a little Asian girl to complain that they stole my TikTok dance? Do you think that's what how they would be portrayed. And uh, so I'm, I think you know, it's an intentional misleading and a defined... And, and again, we love to complain about the way white people portray us in the media. We never question, like, this is... Soul of a Nation is supposed to be produced by black people and for black people. So... This is black people pretending like they're in control of something and putting out a minstrel display of the black experience in America. And, you know, I'm pissed at the people that are participating in it. I do, I'm not going to give them the out, even though it's true. They're doing exactly what ABC and network TV executives want them to do make us look buffoonish on TV and make sure that we're emotional and angry and, and focused, looking in the rear view mirror and never looking in the windshield at what's ahead. It's, it's rather effective what they're doing and it's going, it's all, in my view, 
intended to explode during the George Floyd trial. When, when that verdict comes in, they're hoping a powder case go off all over the country. You know, uh, before we move on to that, because we definitely have to touch on that one, I, I think, I, I let me just re, uh, state that on this past week, like, you know, I do my weekly clubhouse thing and I kind of lost my cool because I was talking about this damn, this episode with the little girl and the dance and the TikTok. And what I realized is there was people who felt like there was nothing wrong with what was going on with the little girl. They, they felt like that should be, you know, we should support her. And, and my thing is support her in what? Because it's just a long line of people willing to be used by corporate America to promote the products that they pr produce or the narrative that's beneficial to them. Uh, and and I, I'm not vilifying the little girl, I'm vilifying the culture that they like to mention that steers all of us in that direction. What are, you, what are we doing other than auditioning for the very same white people, white America, whatever you want to call it, to write us a check? What, are we creating anything that is independent of that? And it, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to see. I mean, if all we focus on is dancing and sneakers, I mean, we don't make sneakers. Uh, well, designed how is that going to help us? Yeah, look how how is that going to help us though? I, and has it helped us? No. Where where is the substantive contribution? And, and at some point, black people are going to have to be honest with themselves. Do people have an issue with you because of your skin color, or is it because? You've simply, your value. You simply don't add value. Yeah, you don't, well, you, your values and you don't add value. You know what I mean? Because we live in a capitalist society, right? And the reason why these people are getting the attention is because they add value to the people who are promoting these agendas and so on and so forth. But where, where's the value add to positive things that has longevity, that has, has some kind of substance to it? And I, I just don't see those kind of opportunities for us. So we got all these people out there working on their mixtape and their their, their, uh, their dance moves. I saw a little clip on YouTube of Megan Thee Stallion at the Grammys. I mean, I'm a man, I love women, but I hate every time I see black women, this is the light that they're not only being shown in, but being celebrated for. I think more of black women than that. You know what I mean? I certainly do. I I, I don't I don't get it, man. I just don't. I I, I want to piggyback off what you're saying and just <clears throat> you've produced a documentary, uh, Black, White, and Blue. Uh, I've obviously been involved in television and in journalism for thirty years, and, and so people are saying, well, what should Soul of a Nation? Give me an example of the type of story they could do. 
what would be beneficial or healthy for black people? <clears throat> and here's what's driving me crazy in the in the corporate authoritarian media, the mainstream media at this point. They've the discussion about kids going back to school for the most part has been driven like it's some white issue. White parents want their kids back in school and it's just not safe and it's not healthy, blah, blah, blah. And I look at it like if I was soul of a nation, I would have looked at, well, hold on, man. America for 12 months straight has been trapped in this COVID stay-at-home bubble. Who is being damaged the most by homeschooling and Zoom schooling and the disruption of our school system? All under uh, facts that are disputed in terms of should we have shut down schools? Did we really need six-foot distancing, social distance? Do, do the masks work, blah, blah. We've shut down schools, and the most vulnerable people have been black kids. The kids that are being born 75, 80% into single-parent homes. The, the most vulnerable don't have two parents, don't have a parent that's off working or working from home or whatever that's distracted while their kid or kids are supposed to log into a laptop a couple, two or three times a week or every day and go to school. We, we've just sacrificed an entire year of vulnerable kids' lives to this no school bullshit. And I'm not sure if this generation's ever gonna recover from that, from this year we just stole from them. And how do they play catch up from that? And if soul of a nation, wanted to do something productive and about somebody examine what is going on with these vulnerable poor black kids that have have been away from school for an entire year how will they ever catch back up it, it's just it's mind but we can't we're not trusted to examine those types of stories i'm talking about we as black people that, that's better. Look, white people, I guarantee at some point the New York Times will delve into it and they'll send some white reporters and maybe a token black reporter or two to go examine this shit. But but here that here's some people trusted by ABC. We're gonna give you a big budget and you can do five, six, six, six parts. But we don't want you to cover nothing serious. We don't want you to cover anything real. The greatest thing going on for the past year is the shutdown of these schools and the damage it has done to kids in single-parent homes, regardless of color, and, and poor kids. I would have preferred for them to examine that because we will be paying the price for this last year for a long time. Because the, the little stories that I have seen on this, a lot of these kids that are supposed to be zooming in, they disappeared off the face of the earth. These schools don't know where they are. They haven't been participating. Hmm. We've had an entire year of school basically being shut down for a mass number of black kids, nobody's talking about it. I, I can speak to that to some degree because, you know, we're doing the STEM program in, in Detroit 
out of school and um, with the Coleman Young Educational Foundation. And we gave out laptops, laptops we purchased, gave to kids that wanted to participate to learn coding and all these other things online during the Zoom class. You'd be surprised how many kids, even with the laptops, didn't want to learn coding. Some opted to give the lap, and this is free. We're not charging. This is free. Like we're really trying to help these kids compete because you can't have but so many people uh, getting money from a TikTok dance. Somebody's gonna have to get out there and produce. And a lot of them, man, some have started the, the program and just fallen to the wayside. And the people who are doing well in the program, there's something consistent with them. On the Zoom call, you will see their parents. Even if it's just one parent, even if it's single, single parent household, their parent has taken a serious interest in giving their child every opportunity to make it in life. And in, in the community, a lot of um, parents, they just, they're not taking that kind of interest in, in their kids, man. And yes, it's hard. It's gotten really hard because we launched the program last year about a month before COVID came. And it's been difficult. It's been challenging ever since, man. And it, not even free stuff is helping because we're giving them laptops. Like Curtis, giving I, them the laptop. Like, I hey. don't want to make excuses for the parents, but I, I just want to speak factually in terms of what is society telling these parents? And, and again, because most people or a lot of people experience the world through their television or through their cell phone at this point. And all the messaging from Hollywood and the media is that education is unimportant for black people. Rapping, TikTok yeah. dancing, gym shoes, Again, to be a rapper, you can just make up your own language. You don't have to spell properly. There's no proper grammar or English. Just, just make it up in order to be a social media influencer. Again, because this is the other thing that's being so become an influencer, a social media. You don't need proper grammar. You don't need to excel in English. You don't need to even communicate properly. I'm not picking on him, but I'm just pointing it out as a fact. LeBron James over social media writes at second, third grade level, perhaps. Wow. This is their, this is their, go read his stuff. Go, I, take Cam Newton, who I'm not brutal on, but go read his, it's like this stuff is written, I, I'm not even sure if it's a second or third grade level. All of this is met, and, and tr the white athletes, for the most part, they don't write this way. But go look at how we Right, are the athletes that are all being put out in front and be like him, blah, blah, blah. It's brutal. It's embarrassing how they're uh, willing to present themselves via social media, grammatically and, and otherwise. And so 
to black kids, the message is crystal clear. You don't need education. It's not for you. Go work on a TikTok dance. Go work on a rap album. Uh, go work on being an influencer and go work on spotting uh, racial insensitivity. That's your job. Mastering math, English, science, history, or you know any kind of broader history other than we were traumatized, that's not for you. And so our kids are being conditioned to think education is completely unimportant. And maybe that's why Soul of a Nation is even blind to the issue that I'm talking about. That like, it's a problem. Our kids aren't in school and haven't been for a year. They're not born in the families where it's easy for a parent or two parents to help them out, to homeschool them. How do you recover from this? Shit's crazy. Yeah, the, the, the issue with the parents though, I think COVID just exacerbated it, but it had been going on for a while. You know, I, I, I'll take, let me just say this, just to circle back. Those kids in the, in the STEM program in Detroit, so they're under, they're under 18, which means their parents are, for the most part, in their 30s. And when you think of today's time, you know, thir somebody 38 today is not the same as somebody 38, 30, 40 years ago. 38 today is still they're still kind of like adolescent in their in their interests, you know. That I mean, Megan Thee Stallion got to be in her thirties. Uh, Beyonce got to be about forty. You know what I mean? And these are the things that they're interested in. Those type of parents, not everybody. But I'll give you an example. So my my father, his second marriage, he had three sons the youngest of which my baby brother, he, um, their mom, by the way, was a school teacher. And as a school teacher, she was aware of certain programs for gifted students, you know, to programs for gifted students to get into. She navigated my brothers. They all went to private schools, not because they were black, they went to boarding schools because they tested highly. She's a teacher. She worked at home with them. She got them ready. My baby brother, he went to a school in Connecticut called Canterbury. I believe John F. Kennedy, the president, went there when he was a kid. My baby brother scored in the 94th percentile on the GMAT. He didn't get into Harvard Business School because of quotas or anything. Like the fucking kid almost scored a hundred on that damn test. Like, but guess what it came from? <laughs> what it came from is his mother. She emphasized education. She did just what you said is not being done. And and it shows. So to people always say, what's the solutions? We always know the solutions is we gotta get back to basics. We gotta get back to the family. And we got to get back to family values. And family values means, you see, my brother wouldn't have been doing TikTok, no matter how much money people make on TikTok, because his mother as a school teacher and an educator understood the importance of education and stared her kids 
in the right way. And we need more of that because we are clearly capable of doing it when we get the right opportunities. And it starts in the house. People just can't throw money. Like, even like with what I'm trying to do now, giving these kids laptops and all that, I got the best intentions for them. But if the parents, one parent in particular told us, listen, he just doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> like I, yo, you cannot save people who don't want to save themselves, man. Well, and, and, and it's and fine. That's the truth. It's fine to me. It's not unusual for a kid. No, I don't want to do that. But there was a time when it wasn't unusual for a parent to say, I don't give a fuck what you want to do. Thank you, bro. Be in this Thank house. <laughs> be in this Look, house. This is how it's going to be done. Look, man. You you think you think my baby brother wanted to do all that damn schooling all the time? He he did it until he liked it. <laughs> and sometimes that's just what a parent has to do. Not dress their kid up like a mini me and walk around the mall with them and all this stuff. Yeah, I, you know, but look, man. Look, it, 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 it is what it is. Asian mothers take a lot of heat. They call it tiger moms or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because they force their kids to meet the parent standard. They don't, and and again, I, I don't want to. I applaud them. You know the success they're having, the commitment to their kids. Nothing but positive from me. Uh, we tend to want to be best friends with our kids, or hell, exactly. A lot of times when you're a single mother. It, it, you know, you hoping your kid, single parent, take mother out of it, single parent, you hoping your kid is your lottery ticket. Maybe he'll make it as an this to become richer. Oh, Look, I, 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 I'm not, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to offend, but I, I've seen mother, I, you know, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll make a TV example. I won't make a real life example. There, there, in my favorite TV show, The Wire, in the fourth season, fourth and fifth season, they show a mother who basically helped her 14 and 15 year old son become a skilled drug dealer. That was She was grooming him to be a drug dealer and to take care of herself. I've seen that in real life. I've seen it up close in real life where a mother will put a young boy out on the streets in the dope game so that they that person can take care of them. Shit's crazy. But I've seen uh, it. Yeah, because a lot of them, you know, their sons become the the, the husband they don't have. Yeah. And uh, the responsibility falls on them. There's a lot of emotionally incestuous relationships in, in the hood. A whole lot, man. A whole lot. I, I see it. And it, it, it's, it's, it's tough because when you talk to people, right? I'm gonna give you an example. I know of one case of a very emotionally dysfunctional, incestuous relationship between a mother and her son. And, and I talked to the mother one time and when she told me about her background, I understood it. 
Uh, even though she was older, an older woman, she came from generations of single mothers. And to me, what I got from that, it made it make sense. I don't think she knows how much she's hurting her son because she's in survival mode. And that is what happens when that woman is by herself. And I don't mean that woman in particular, but all women who are of limited financial means, they're in survival mode. You know, and I'm not going to book people and say, what about the father? Well, yeah, that, that's not what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about is what goes on in that household. What led to it, who knows? But what in that household with those kids and that pressure on them, I think sometimes they don't even realize how predatory they may be towards even their own children, much less uh, potential suitors, you know. But but anyway, man, what about your boy, Stephen A. Smith, telling uh, LeBron, what is your plan for, uh, for the COVID vaccine? Was he serious? Uh, or was first that just off, a, a joke? <laughs> first off, let's, let's clean this up. My boy, Stephen A. Smith, uh, you grew up, a, or he grew up a block from you. I think oh. that's your boy. <laughs> I think that's your boy. So you explain to me uh, why Look, Stephen A. Smith is taking upon himself to be a spokesman for the COVID vaccine. Again, it's not ABC, but it's still network TV. It's 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 woke network TV. They're ESPN, Disney, ABC. They're all under the same umbrella, aren't they? Yes. ABC, Disney, ESPN. Yes. Yo, look, oh, look, oh, we 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 right back to the source. They like the wizard, but they're promoting this um this this thing. I, I you know again, and I say it all the time. I will not tell anybody to take the vaccine. I will not tell anybody not to take it. I don't think that's my area of expertise, and no one should be listening to me when it comes to that that serious of a decision. And I am honest enough to say that, I just wish people like Stephen A. Smith would be honest enough to say the same damn thing. He doesn't know anything about that shit, man. Like, yo, two years later, if this thing turns out not to be good, where's your accountability for the people you, you misled? You know, hypothetically, like, we nobody really knows because as fast as it was developed, I believe we're in the trial phase right now. We are certainly and it may in the be all phase. well and good. This is why I wouldn't tell anybody to take it. It's because an experimental like, hey, drug. I don't know. It's an experimental drug. I, I listen. I, I think, and look, intentions sometimes are irrelevant. I do think he's well intentioned, but this to me. Uh, if you know, if I were counseling Stephen A, I, I, I would say no, no, no. LeBron James has this completely right. LeBron James, and the reason why LeBron can pass on this one is because he's given so much to the cause that it's like, yeah. nah, I'm good. You know, I, 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 I sat here and I played along with Black Lives Matters. I played along like the Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams and 
Kamala Harris or the greatest politicians in the world. And Beto O'Rourke, who you support? Yeah, all, yeah all, mm-hmm. all that. I've done all that. And so I'm not going to go on record promoting the coronavirus drug, experimental drug, uh, because you're right. Let's say five years from now, they come out and say, well, damn, it caused birth defects. It caused sterility in the people that took it. It caused many people's death. Why, Brian, I'm a basketball player. Why am I out telling people to take this drug? And Stephen A. Smith is a sports broadcaster. This seems crazy for me for him to tape something promoting this virus just way out over his skis. But again, when you accept that corporate check of eight, nine million dollars a year. Yeah, there's some responsibilities that go along with it, and they can call in those markers at any time and be like, "Now nah, we need you to do this." And it can be a very subtle thing. It doesn't even have to be that straightforward of quid pro quo, but you can get enough pressure from people and get in the right room with people with the right titles. Maybe maybe they had Dr. Fauci call Stephen A. Smith. Who the hell knows? But they certainly wanted. They certainly felt like, in my view, hey man, the kind of money we paying, you owe us this, you you owe us this, we're giving you this kind of contract. Disney, ABC, we're all on board with all the mainstream groupthink messaging. Uh, but me, no how, no way. I respect LeBron James for passing on this. It's you know one of the smarter things he's done recently. Uh, because that is a personal family choice and decision. Uh, all Any medical advice. Per, with, with all these drugs and uh, that are out here and all the side effects from all these drugs, you ever listen to one of them drug TV commercials? The ending where they tell oh, you that it could go on is longer than the actual commercial. And yeah. I just couldn't imagine trying to be a spokesman on this issue. But mm-hmm. he's from your hood. Yeah, you know, um, you know oh we, man, we, look. My hood. <laughs> <laughs> look, <laughs> he out there tap dancing for that check, man. I think it's pretty clear. Speaking of uh, the vaccine, your boy, uh, well, our boy, Marvin Hagler. Well, wait a minute. Let me take that back. You thought Sugar Ray beat him, so, but we're going to get around to that. No, nah, that's yeah, not what I said. No, we can, let, no, 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 let's go right there. Because uh, whether Hagler died of COVID or not, who knows? But let's, we can definitely talk about Marvin Hagler passed away, and there's rumors that his wife came out and contradicted. But I went back. I just, of course you did. I just rewatched Hagler Leonard. I just rewatched it, you know, so I would be prepped for this conversation. I'm not spec. My the okay. statement I made over the internet, over Twitter was Curtis. I don't have a problem with the decision. I didn't say I agree with it. I said I don't have a problem with the decision. Having just rewatched the fight, and I, if my memory serves me as a kid, because I think the fight was in '87 and I was still in college. As a kid, I think yes. I agree with everybody else that the fight that Hagler got robbed. But having just rewatched it, 
I see. He threw away the first four rounds, Curtis. The first two rounds, he came out and fought orthodox when he's a southpaw. He certainly gave the first two rounds away. And I thought he gave the next two rounds away. Once you give away four rounds of a 12-round fight, I don't... The ninth round was a classic round, but you could score the ninth round either for either fighter, in my view. Uh, the fifth round, allegedly, Hagler clearly won, and I was like, yeah, he may have won it, but he didn't do a whole lot. I just don't have a problem with the decision. I, I, I feel like, you know, as a champion, and... Oh, you mean like Sugar Ray was the aggressor the whole fight. Huh? Sugar Ray was look. A, I'm just saying. Those were two champions in the ring. Sugar Ray didn't hold any belts look. at that time. He had retired, but he had a hell of a reputation. He didn't get in. That wasn't a tomato look, can in the ring with. No, he wasn't. He, he wasn't. He was. He was a great boy too. But I just think going backwards, I'm. I'm just more for the um, the more decisive fighter. I saw the punch stats. It looked like Ray landed more punches, but man, they were pity pat punches. I, I I blame Hagler for losing that decision. I think he won the fight, but I blame him for losing the decision because there was two fights that Hagler had against Duran and Ray where I felt he showed his opponent too much respect. You know? I think he should have just went in there and, and did his thing. But Hagler was the type of fighter to bring out the best in him. You had to you had to try to destroy him, and then he would destroy you. It happened with Hearns. It happened with Mugabe and a, a couple other fighters. You really had to bring it to him. And I think Ray threw him off by running. Hagler just wasn't ready for that strategy. But the running is why I wouldn't give Ray the decision at all, man. That fight, if you really think about it, turned out to be a bust. It wasn't a great fight. It was it was a notable decision, man. It was a great matchup, nah, but the fight itself, no way. No way. Okay. It wasn't classic, man. It wasn't it, classic. The ninth round no was way. classic. The ninth round was classic. Listen, okay. any anytime you get two fighters of that skill in the same ring, any and and I think uh Sugar was 30 and Hagler was 32. Or one of them was 32 and the other was 30. I can't remember who the older but Yeah, they both were in their 30s for yeah, sure. Early 30s. Not not past yes. his prime. Sugar had been out of the ring, but they said he actually he he took his sparring in the time off to a different level. He he sparred without he prepared he sparred without a headgear and all this other stuff. So two guys in their prime that get in the ring, don't duck each other. And there were some great toe-to-toe moments in that fight, particularly in the ninth round. And it's just that big of a deal and to see two icons in the ring at that time. That, that's a classic, memorable fight. Again, I just watched, watched it again and watched every round and enjoyed it. Uh, was it, it, it wasn't Hagler, uh, Tommy Hearns. No, it was not that. Uh, but it was still an interesting fight. Uh, Sugar Ray, I, 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 I disagree with you in, in terms of Hagler showing Sugar Ray too much respect. I thought he showed him too little respect by coming out and fighting Man. Orthodox in the first two rounds. 
that dude should have came out Southpaw like he had been and just went to war stalking and trying to beat this dude up early. You know, Hagler... This is going to confuse him. Hagler, 62 fights. He won 52 of them by knockout. He didn't... I, I was sitting there what, like, hey, man, early in this fight, he wasn't looking to punish this dude in the body or anywhere to set him up for the knockout. I thought his strategy was poor and arrogant and thinking you're going to confuse, you know, uh, a guy like Sugar Ray who, who, who wins a lot of fights with his intellect and strategy should have just went in there trying to brutalize that man. He, he should have made. That's what I say. That's what I say. He should have made Sugar Ray fight like Tommy Hearns fought him. He should have made that happen. Cause he, by the he ninth right round. Tommy Hearns. Yeah. But by the ninth round, by the time he had changed it, he got Sugar Ray in the fight that he needed to have him in in the fourth and fifth round. They went toe-to-toe in the night. It was too late. Yes, it was too late. I got to be honest. I've never never rewatched that fight. That's how much I disliked it. <laughs> you know, look, I, I've never ever <laughs> rewatched it. That that was that was a big disappointment to me. But la- last but not least, man, um, this this uh, George Floyd trial, Derek uh, Chauvin trial. George is not, not on trial. The police officer is. Uh, where do you think this is going? Well, the new development is the $27 million settlement the family got. That that the family got a, and I think Chauvin's lawyers feel like, how the hell can we have a trial when the city just announced they're giving the family $27 million? The city just tried to convict uh, Chauvin prematurely. And so now there's some delays or they're trying to potentially delay it because they feel like the, the civil settlement uh, has dirtied up the jury pool and it's going to make it harder for the defense team to, to win a verdict. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say something here very real and very unpopular. But when I looked at that settlement of $27 million, I want, I want to know, I need detail. Who's getting that money? And what was their day-to-day relationship with George Floyd? Somebody just got $57 million. I want to know, just out of nosiness, but there's taxpayers paying that bill. $27 million. How much of that has Ben Crump getting? Because he had no day-to-day relationship with George Floyd before his, he, he never did. George Floyd was dead. He never even got to meet uh, George Floyd. Ben Crump's alone. What percentage of that $27 million is he getting? He getting $3 million, $2 million, $5 million? I, I, I don't a know. Third. Does he deserve A third? Does he deserve $9 million? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then again, I, I, I really want to know and tell me, push back, tell me if I'm, I want to know who the family members are, and what was their day-to-day relationship with George Floyd like over the last 10, 15 years? I I want to know that no. because it, it, it was George Floyd far more valuable in death than he was in life? 
You know the answer to that question, man. You you know the answer to that question. Um, didn't they already raise like nine million or a whole lot of millions last year that was given to the family? I so think somebody raised a lot of money, huh? I I think there's some truth to that. Somebody, yeah, man. Somebody raised a lot of money or donated money to the family. I certainly don't have a problem with the family getting money or anything. I I, I just. I'm not saying I have a problem. You, I didn't say I was. I just want to. Curtis, are we not? Again, I've heard you explain where you're from, and you know Queens, I believe, correct? And correct. Uh, I'm from Indianapolis, and have at different points in my life in Indianapolis lived in some of the harder parts of Indianapolis. My father certainly had a bar that was my favorite place on earth that was in the heart, one of the harder parts of Indianapolis. And so I know I have seen and heard stories of people that uh, who are hustlers that are willing to injure themselves, step out in front of a car, uh, fall. We had a guy fall uh, in front of my dad's bar. Uh, who blamed it on my dad's bar, but he didn't really fall in front of my dad's bar. My dad kept me in the dark on it, and it ended up costing me $18,000 I had to pay the guy. Uh, for, for, but, and so I'm just like, hey, man, are, are we in any way here, here's why I'm bringing this up because I, I, I don't want to be misquoted or misled. Have you heard about the shooting here in Nashville of the black woman by the white cop? The, the, yeah, the she opened fire on her. Open fire. Her name is Nicole something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've watched that video and that woman did not want to die. But the way the media has covered and has promoted this Black Lives Matter movement, she is part of a group of Black people that I believe have been convinced by the media that when you're pulled over by the police, not only do you have every right to contest anything that they asked you, a real Black person will contest anything that they asked you. And so her whole engagement with that police officer was just like baffling to me, but it was also understandable based on the environment we've created. The black thing to do when you get pulled over by the police is to question any fucking thing that they say to you and to uh, not comply and just and so I'm I'm just like wow she's just escalating this every chance she can by bickering and arguing and I'm you and I was raised a whole different way and maybe I think she's I don't want to speculate on what environment she grew up in but I was raised a whole different way it's just like hey do everything you can to get the police to go away and to leave you alone that's the best way to deal with the police get them to go away as quick as possible. And that's give them what they want. Let them move on. Do nothing suspicious. And again, this is this Are is they protesting her death. 
Not yet. Not yet. But but what all my point, Curtis, is like this whole Black Lives Matter deal, George Floyd did. We have created an environment where black people want to have tension and conflict with the police. That's the black righteous thing to do. And when you create that environment, because that woman had no intention of dying, she 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 didn't want she didn't want she clear obviously didn't want it to end the way that it did, but she kept putting herself in position for it to escalate. And then I understand why she went for her gun. I don't agree with it, but when you're sitting in your car getting tased, you lose control of your faculties, and you 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 can forget who you're dealing with, and start reaching for a gun, and and think like I think she just lost control of her faculties and like I'm in a fight now and this dude's tasing me. Let me get my gun and we gonna have blah blah blah. At no time during the whole process was she thinking, "Hey man, I'm dealing with a police officer who's legally justified in shooting and killing me. Act accordingly." At no point was she thinking that because we've created an environment that tells black people argue with the police. I watched that tape, um, and when I first saw it, I, I, I lied to you not. I said. Is this real? Because I couldn't imagine somebody reacting the way she did, you know? Um, First thing, she was on the phone talking to her mom, I believe. The story goes that the the car belonged to someone who had warrants, a guy. Boyfriend, yeah. So she's driving this, yeah, you know, I assume that. Yeah, she's driving this guy's car and he has warrants. So they're they're calling, she's calling her mom because she's scared or whatever. I don't know if the gun she had was legal or illegal. And from there, I think the cop said he saw marijuana or something in the car. She took off running, right? And people will take what I'm about to say the wrong way, but I, I don't care. A lot of these incidents, the way I sum them up, is when stupid collides. And I mean stupid on both sides. Because me personally, if I'm a cop and I pull this woman over and the the plates, the car belongs to somebody with a warrant and she takes off running, I'm on the radio giving a description. She's not getting far. I'm not even gonna chase her. I'm gonna secure her. Not in her condition. Yo, you know, she ain't I want to secure fall. the vehicle. She's about my size. Yo, she, she wasn't getting far, man. Listen, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say me, but I know a guy who's run from the police before. And uh, it takes a certain amount of skill to get away from all those squad cars. You know what I mean? But And I don't think she had it. I, it wasn't a big deal. Let her go secure the vehicle and, and call backup. And they would have been riding around with the sirens looking for a woman with the braids or whatever, she would have been caught and that would have been it, man. And I, I think I think he went about it wrong, but I don't think that he was in the wrong for returning fire. You understand? Because at that point, 
it's no longer, just like you said, she's under pressure from the taser. He's under pressure from being fired upon. At that point, it's like, you're just trying to live on both sides. You know what I mean? And, and, and from what I understand, she didn't die from the gunshot. She died from a car accident because she, she drove off. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I know she drove off. I didn't know she, she died. From the car. She, that, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's what I gathered from the article that she crashed and, and, and died. She probably was going to die anyway, though. I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about that. But man, uh, that was just a sad turn of events because I don't think either one of them made the best decisions at that time. Unfortunately, right? For me, when I, when, whenever I, and I haven't been pulled over in a long time, knock on wood, but whenever I get pulled over, I take responsibility for being the one with some sense. I don't assume that the guy who has a gun has sense. I assume he has no sense, so I have to think for me and him. And that's not a, a disrespect to police officers. That's a survival mechanism. I'm not taking anything for granted with anyone who's armed and has a license to kill. And this is how you have to deal with this if you want to go home and, and, and see, the, see the next day. And of course, there's going to be people that say, what about this case? He did this, this, and he still ended up dead. Well, man, you know, sometimes things... You know, you could do everything right and it still go wrong, but man, you got to give yourself the best, the best opportunities to survive any kind of interaction with anyone with a weapon. That's just my thoughts. So my, my assumption with the police is, is primarily, it, it, it's, is that they have a very frustrating job and they have a high stress job. And so what can I do to not increase their frustration and not increase their stress? And then down the down further down the road, and I apologize for thinking this, but you know, I'm college educated. And so I, I tend to, I, I'll go like, hey man, a lot of these guys are high school graduates or whatever. They got a high stress, high, you know, maybe I'm smarter than them. I'm certainly, my job is certainly less stressful than theirs. And so I, I just don't want to do anything to increase the stress or frustration. And so again, my, my, how can I get this dude to leave me alone as quick as possible, man or woman, leave me alone as quick as possible. And I, I'm just, Facts. I'm looking at her engagement as like, well, damn, she's increasing this dude's stress. She's, and maybe some of it for me is like, I'm a big dude. And I, I, people make assumptions about me all the time. And, you know, now that I'm older and, you know, it, maybe I'm less threatening, but when I was in my 20s and 30s and still swole up from football or whatever, uh, you know, I'm like, well, hell, this dude's halfway scared of me anyway. Uh, let me make sure I reduce his level of fear uh, just so I can get back Same out on the road man. as quick as possible. Uh, and so I, I'm telling you, my concern, Curtis, 
and I think we mentioned, I don't know if we ever talked about it, but there was this movie, American Skin, that was popular on Netflix or whatever. And, yeah. and this is again where I'm saying they're sending out this message to black people. Have conflict with the police. It's your right. It's your duty. Don't take that shit from the police. And to me, that messaging is uh, get your ass shot by the police. That's what they're really trying to tell you to do. Get your ass beaten down by the police. That, I wish they'd just clear up the messaging and just say that directly. Because in that movie, American Skin, they showed some little, the little boy that got killed, a high school student or whatever. He, he's, yeah. he's talking to his dad as if, you know, at white schools, they teach you to have all this conflict and you don't, you can refuse being arrested. And per- Ain't no white schools teaching this shit. This was made up in a movie. And again, it was just messaging the young people that you have the right. And white kids, they argue with the police. All- and tr- trust me, the white kids, go, go talk to some white dudes that have argued with the police and see if they didn't get their ass whooped just like anybody else. If you want to have beef with the police, you're going to get it. And so I don't know how we got here, but I just wanted the whole George Floyd thing. I just wanted to make the point like people, I'm going to connect the entire conversation. This is what I think is going Go on. Go ahead, bro. Close it out all, for me. Yeah, all the way back to uh, where we started out talking about The Bachelor and how mm-hmm. the the media, Hollywood, all the systems of communication and entertainment are all programming black people look for reasons to have conflict. When you see a picture of three little white girls in a dress, look for clues that it's racist and then have a problem with it and confront it. And 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 because I never I never got to make this point when we were talking about the bachelor. But, but that picture they showed of the three white girls, if what they were doing was so racist and so out of bounds, why are they covering the face of the two other white girls? Why aren't they exposing them? If, if what they did was so bad and so racist, why would you conceal the identity of the other two white girls in the picture? Why wouldn't you expose them and their racist ass too? It's a gimmick. Everything, all the messaging in the media, is trying to trigger black people to go out and have as much conflict as possible with white people and with authority. They're setting us up to be run over. They're setting us up for our own destruction. It's outrageous selective. I remember years ago, Whoopi Goldberg went to a party with Ted Danson. I think that's his name, a boyfriend at the time. And he was wearing blackface. And she was just just smiling. And she's the most liberal leftist person. She didn't have a problem with it. So Whoopi's on The View or whatever show she's on. I don't keep up with these people, so I may get their names mixed up. But she's on The View. And people love what she's talking about. And it's blah, 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 racism, that. But she goes to to the party with her white man wearing blackface. And it's okay. Meghan Markle? There you go. No, no. You went right where I (laughs) went. It's a great point. I hope you're about to make it. Prince Harry. Have you not seen a picture of him in the Nazi? With the swastika on his arm. 
Yo, yo, look, I, yo, we got this this white girl wearing a regular dress, and it's a big problem. Prince Harry's wearing a damn swastika, and 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 Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's her, her boyfriend is wearing blackface, and it's a selective outrage. And for some people, you can get away with anything, and other people, you just better tread lightly. And I don't give a damn to hell with all of them. You feel me? You got anything else, Jason? Or are we nothing. done for today? I don't, we just stuck the landing. We just pulled it all together. All right. Without a script. My man. Thank you. Without a script. <laughs> Without a script. Naturally. All right, brother. Thank you again for this week. And I, I look forward to next week. All right? Thank you, Curtis. Share, subscribe, and like our YouTube channel to get alerts for new episodes. And stay tuned for SchoonTV.com. The media site is coming.